The scripture reading is from the book of Genesis, chapter 3, verses 14 through 19. It can be found on page 3 in the Black Bibles. The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. And to Adam he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. The word of the Lord. Thank you. Uh, a few weeks ago, my family and I went to the movie theater, and uh, we got there early. One of my favorite uh, parts about going to the movies is obviously the film itself. It's why we go, but actually what happens uh, before the movie starts. If you've ever arrived early to the movie theater, you know that they'll show uh, previews or trailers, uh, right, which are snippets of upcoming movies. And so one of the movies that they were promoting is this one called Spies in Disguise, uh, it's supposed to be a computer-animated uh, spy comedy film about, uh, quote, the world's most awesome spy who is accidentally turned into a pigeon. It sounds silly, I know, until you realize that the spy is Will Smith. And everything suddenly becomes cooler with Will Smith. And so scene after scene, everyone in the theater is laughing, they're enjoying uh, the preview, they're hooked to the storyline, you know, how did it happen, why did it happen, who's chasing the spy, who's the silly kid genius following after him, oh, it's Tom Holland who acts as Spider-Man, and look, some agent is chasing uh, him, and it's voiced by Rashida Jones, who did Parks and Rec, and oh my goodness, there's action, and there's comedy, and everyone is laughing in the theater, and there's a car chase, and explosions, and then suddenly... Coming, December 25th, 2019. Oh, right, gotta wait to see it. The thing about a good trailer is that it gives you just enough to make you want to come back and see the full movie. You know, what if you could get a preview of your future life and uh, you knew everything sad that had happened to you was somehow and in some way going to come untrue? What if we could get a glimpse as to a future where our relationships were healthy, our work was fulfilling, our marriages were thriving, our emotional needs are satisfied, and our relationship with God is striving and stronger than ever? Well, the text we have before us today gives us a preview and a promise of a king who will make all the sad things come untrue. And so it talks first about a curse, second a conqueror, and third 
a call. So the curse, the conqueror, and the call. So first, the curse. Uh, our text today is preceded by a beautiful story unlike any other. Now, Brad actually preached on it last week, so I won't go too much into detail into it. You can go to ChristTheKing.com and listen to his sermon. But what you just heard read occurs right after the first chapter in this biblical drama called Creation, where we get answers to big questions like, where did we come from? And why are we here? And the Bible begins by weaving this beautiful story of a good God who creates using simply words. See, this God simply speaks and things happen. Things are made. Things are different. So he'll say things like, let there be light, and light suddenly appears. Or he'll say, let there be land and sea, and they appear. Let there be trees and birds and whales and lions, and they all appear. And the things he does and he makes and he creates are done with such creativity and color and beauty and diversity. And at the pinnacle of his creation and the climax of his masterpiece, he creates humans in his image to rule this world on his behalf. And he talks to them. And he walks with them. And he gives them such power that he also allows them to use their words to name things. He shares this great, incredible power on a lesser scale, to be sure. They name the animals. But a great power nevertheless. And in this place called Eden, husband and wife interact freely. In the beginning, there were no barriers no secrets, no regrets, no facades, no suspicion. And there is an abundance of food, of productivity, of delight, true paradise. But the wholeness and the joy that was theirs doesn't last for long. We don't know how long after exactly, but a snake appears and all we're told is that it tempts Adam and Eve, making them question God's goodness. Even after everything he had done for them, even after everything he had told them, even after everything he had shown them in an act of treason, they want to decide for themselves how to live their lives. And so they break the bond and the trust that they had once enjoyed with their good creator and father. The innocence that they had once enjoyed now gives way to guilt and to shame. In seeking freedom, their hearts find slavery. In seeking happiness, they find disaster. In seeking fulfillment apart from God, they find disappointment. And thus, the good world that God created is cursed. And the curse touches everything. By rebelling against their king, Adam and Eve unleash a parasite that infects every square inch. And so each party that participated in the rebellion must suffer and face the consequences. God begins with the serpent. Look again, verse 14. Because you have done this, cursed are you. Above all livestock and above all beasts of the field, on your belly you shall go and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. 
And we'll talk a little bit more about the serpent's identity in a bit. But for now, it's simply important to notice that the snake itself is cursed. Now, the particular curse is that it will be condemned to go on its belly, to essentially eat dust all the days of its life, to never be able to rise up and go above its environment. What a terrible end to its participation in inciting rebellion against the king. The natural world, as it was then known, would never be the same. He then, God moves on to the woman in verse 16. He tells her, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing, in pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. Pain would be multiplied in giving birth and in raising children. Now much ink has been spilled in seeking to understand what exactly the other half of the curse means. But this much we know. The sweet, loving, selfless, caring relationship that husband and wife once knew would never be the same. Instead, struggle and frustration and suspicion would now be their daily reality. Marriage and interpersonal relationships would never be the same. Finally, God speaks to the man and tells him, verse 17, Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you will lead of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it will bring forth for you. And you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread. Now the punishment for man is not work itself, but the hardship and the frustration that comes with it. Eden was abundantly productive. Food was given in abundance, but now he will struggle all of his life to produce, to find meaning in his work, to be satisfied with what it gives him. The ground itself will be cursed because of man. Work and nature would never be the same. Now think about how these ancient struggles manifest themselves within our daily lives. Isn't it true that even on our best days we struggle with work? Whether it's inside the home or outside of the home, paid or unpaid. We struggle in marriage in giving birth and in raising our children. We struggle to understand natural disasters, even though we can technically understand how they happen. And of course, we struggle with how are we supposed to deal with aging and disease and death. Theologian Cornelius Plantiga writes, though we walk through the valley of death just once, we spend our whole lives in the valley of the shadow of death. Our whole lives are spent, lived in the shadow of death, knowing that it can come at any time, in any place, through any means. The world as we know it is cursed. So what to do? Second, the conqueror. Is humanity doomed uh, to carry 
this curse forever? Are we just destined to struggle in our marriages forever? Are we just condemned to always hate our work? Are our relationships just guaranteed to always end in disappointment? Are we always to live in the shadow of death? Or is it possible to somehow go back to Eden? Or maybe even something better than Eden. Because remember, even in the Garden of Eden, it was possible to rebel. Is it possible to truly be free from this curse? Well, the way that this narrative is constructed um, implies that this serpent was more than a mere snake. In fact, we have a legitimate inference from the last book of the Bible where the Apostle John refers to the devil, to Satan, as that old serpent. Now, with that in mind, listen then again to verse 15. The Lord God said to the serpent, to Satan, I will put enmity. Now, the Hebrew there is stronger than that. It's hatred, it's hostility, it's warring. I will put hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring or descendants and her offspring or descendants. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Think about it. Adam and Eve were the ones who had rebelled against God and... Chaos and destruction breaks out because of them, because of their decision. Their marriage is broken. Their relationship to God is broken. Nature is held in bondage under a curse. And yet, somewhat veiled and hidden in this curse is a promise. Do you see it? Or better yet, do you see him? Within the curse to the serpent, God is promising a someone, a conqueror, who will crush, who will break the serpent's head. And in breaking the serpent's head, he would also break the curse. The rest of the Old Testament will follow this same thread from the book of Judges to Samuel to the prophets where they all wait for and look forward to the promised conqueror who will undo the corruption, the chaos, and the destruction. Who could that be? Thousands of years later, a man would appear at the center of history. Jesus began his ministry preaching these words. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. When Jesus says that the kingdom of God has come near, he's saying that a new creation was being birthed and that the ancient curse was being reversed through his rule and through his reign. And that's exactly what he began to do. Through his life, Jesus began to undo the corruption that our first parents unleashed in this world. He healed sicknesses. He proclaimed good news to the poor. He set the oppressed 
free. He gave freedom for the prisoners. He calmed storms. He healed the deaf and the blind. He lifted people back up from the dead. But there was one more thing left to do. Because if humanity was to be truly free, they would have to be set free from the one thing that caused the curse in the first place. They'd have to be set free from their sin. And while Jesus, the most perfect man to ever live, deserved to live forever with God as his side, he took on the punishment we deserved, death and separation from God. In trying to explain what exactly Jesus did, Paul would later write these words, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. Do you see that? Incredibly, Jesus also bore the consequences of our rebellion. He suffered great, incredible pain. He sweat like tears of blood from his brow. He was trampled upon and beaten. He was indeed bruised as the ancient story said he would be. But because he took the penalty of death on himself, he is able to give life to all of those who want it, who need it. The bruise he received was nothing compared to the blow to the head that the serpent received. In describing what was happening on that cross as Jesus hung, Paul writes to the Colossians, He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it all away, nailing it to the cross, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. In and through Jesus, the curse has been broken. It is being undone and will one day be completely eliminated. He is the one who has lifted the curse, who has crushed the serpent's head, who was bruised, but who is now sitting on high in glory. Third and last the call a few decades after Jesus death and resurrection Paul would write his letter to the Romans and in the last chapter uh, he references this story but with an interesting twist he writes the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. The God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. Paul sees the ultimate realization of this prophecy and the destruction of Satan under the feet of Christians at the end of time. But we know very clearly that it's a prophecy referencing Jesus crushing the, serp the serpent's head. Why didn't he write, the God of peace shall bruise Satan under Jesus' feet shortly? Well, when we follow Jesus, 
we are invited to participate in his mission of undoing the curse. Of bringing healing, restoration, and reconciliation to the places we live, work, and play. In other words, the ones who let corruption in are now empowered by God's spirit to undo it. Now that has at least three implications for how we do mission. First, we take evil and sin seriously. Second, we engage holistically. And third, we seek to reveal God's kingdom by undoing the curse. So first, we take evil and sin seriously. Though our first parents rebelled against God as king, he promised a deliverer. And so this means that evil and sin in this world do not have the last world. However, Christians are not immune from nor indifferent to pain and suffering in this world. Evil is real. We've understood from the very beginning that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities, against the power of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We take prayer seriously. Because we dare not battle on our own. Our battle is not against culture. We are not fighting cultural wars. We are fighting spiritual wars. In the context of our mission then, this forms us. It shapes us. It molds us to take sin and pain and suffering seriously. That's why Jesus teaches his followers to cry out, Your kingdom come. What that means is, Father, make your healing reign more and more tangible and visible in this world. Let your rule assert itself ever more concretely in the places where sickness and evil still seem to have the upper hand. Evil and sin are real. Though they have been defeated, they have not been eliminated entirely just yet second we engage holistically the curse affected every relationship we can imagine our relationship to god was broken our relationship to others to each other was broken our relationship to nature and our relationship to ourselves because of that when Jesus starts his ministry he seeks to undo the curse in every way it manifests itself in fact our very redemption is what we call holistic he not only saves our souls to live in heaven someday but our very bodies will one be one day be made completely new in a new earth what this means then is that when we seek to reveal God's kingdom to the places we live, work, and play, we always do it holistically. We never just focus on a person's physical needs. We also care about their spiritual needs. But we also don't just focus on a person's spiritual needs. We seek to meet their physical needs as well. Why? Because redemption, salvation, our freedom is cosmic It's universal. It encompasses the totality of our human experience. 
We believe that corruption that entered is ultimately a matter of the heart. So that is primary. But the curse affected much more, including our work, our marriages, our parenting, our homes, our communities, our cities, and our world. It's why, for example, we have a counseling center here. And they do such amazing work. It's why our preschool will often do parenting talks. Because there is no dichotomy. No more let sin and sorrow grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. Far as the curse is found. Third, undoing the curse. We seek to undo the curse. Uh, Those who have placed their trust in Jesus and who seek to submit to him as king are invited to participate in his great mission of reversing the curse wherever it is found. It's why we think that's such an incredible responsibility but also a great privilege It's why yesterday we filled over 6,500 boxes of blessing to feed thousands of Houstonians this Christmas because we are showing the world the curse is being undone. It's why we joyfully participate in praying for the physical healing of sweet Isabella because we are telling the world the curse is being undone. It's why we're opening our homes over the holidays, inviting friends and neighbors and co-workers around our tables with hospitality and generosity because we are telling the world the curse is being undone. It's why we give financially to extend the mission of this church. It's why we support over 20 local organizations who help the needy in our city. It's why we gather each week to teach, to preach, to eat and drink from the Lord's table. Because in so doing, we are participating in something much greater than ourselves. We are declaring from the deepest parts of our souls, world, it may seem like you have taken our joy. It may feel like evil always has the upper hand. It may feel like it's always winter and never Christmas. But our king has come. And our king is coming. The curse has been broken. It is being undone. And one day, it'll be a distant memory. Jesus has taken away the curse. And he's given us a preview of our future life. And now he calls us to be the previews for this new world that he has ushered in through his life, death, and resurrection. Will you join him on his mission of healing creation far as the curse is found? Let's pray. Father, we praise you and we thank you this morning for sending your son Jesus into this world to live the perfect life that we should have lived to bear our curse and our punishment on our behalf and yet he resurrected and through his resurrection we now have access to the throne of grace in an unlimited unconditional way
Lord Jesus, I ask, empower us by your spirit to participate with you on your mission in this world. That we would seek to undo the curse wherever we may find it. Would you give us the boldness, the courage, and the strength to do so even this week. We pray this through Christ our Lord. Amen.